The views and opinions expressed on this show are purely the views and opinions of the person who made them and do not necessarily reflect or agree with those of the show's commercial sponsors, its radio station affiliates, or Internet broadcast platforms. As the restriction on our God-given right to free speech manifests itself throughout the world, we are inspired by Jesus Christ's immortal words, and ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. And we reserve the rights to all our words. Thank you, and now enjoy the show. To learn who rules over you, simply find out who you are not allowed to criticise. You are listening to ACH, I'm Andy, your host. Today is Thursday, so it's time for our weekly get-together with Dr. Peter Hammond of Frontline Fellowship. So let's bring him up right now. Peter, are you with us? I am with you, yes. Thank you, Andrew. Excellent. And folks, Peter's been doing a lot of work. Well, he always does so much work anyway, but he uh, puts a lot of effort into the show, presentations he has for this Thursday show. And we're very grateful for it. Many of the recent shows have been extremely timely. And this one is timely too, but it's something that I'm particularly interested in because it sounds like we may have some light on the horizon because the title of today's show is The Real Story of the self-destruction of the new world order. That sounds like a wonderful title, Peter. Where would you like to start us off today? Well, Andrew, it's intriguing as you see all kinds of bizarre headings and what's going on, like uh, just take the sanctions that the globalist, which basically was just the North Atlantic Treaty Organization, the EU, uh, overlapping one another, uh, placed on Russia. And um, as Biden famously said earlier this year, we're going to turn the ruble into rubble. Well, that sounded, it's, it's a very nice alliteration and a clever little catchphrase, a ditty that you can make the sound bites on TV. But the ruble has not been turned into rubble. In fact, uh, the Western sanctions on Russia have basically hurt the West more than it's hurt Russia. And the ruble's up and um Oil sales are up and gas sales are up and profits are up. And uh, as it so happens, everything that the Biden administration has done has weakened the West and has strengthened uh, Russia. And it's a bizarre thing to think that you can uh, be able to hurt your enemy by hurting your allies more. And it's not that Russia's going to spend this coming winter in the dark and in the cold. It's more like uh, NATO allies are, which is why so many people on the streets protesting in Prague and throughout uh, Europe right now saying, you know, no to this war and no to sanctions on Russia. And uh, uh, why should we threaten us and uh, endanger ourselves uh, with nuclear war? And for what? And this is pointless. So there's, there's a lot of resistance growing, and you can see the resistance growing, such as by the recent election results in Sweden and in Italy. Uh, plainly, not everyone likes the New World Order, and not everyone in Europe likes what their leaders are doing. 
But just consider how the West thought that they could put global sanctions on Russia. But Russia's part of BRICS, which is an alternative to the rules-based order economic system of the EU. And uh, BRICS consists of Brazil, Russia, India, China, South Africa, BRICS. Do you know those countries have a bigger gross domestic product than the whole EU and the United States combined? So the whole, all the NATO countries and the EU countries, which of course overlap, um, have a smaller uh, GDP gross domestic product than the BRICS countries. So how are you going to hurt Russia by boycotting them? And what they're doing now is they're moving off the dollar and the petrodollar, and they start to trade in other currencies. Now, one thing that's made America very rich in the Second World War is that the dollar became the international currency for exchange, and especially for petroleum products. And right now, they are going off that, and they are managing to use rubles and other uh, currencies quite happily. Uh, you look at all sorts of things. Whatever is being done by the West right now seems to be destroying itself. And uh, the scripture says in Psalm 34, verse 21, evil will slay the wicked. And we see that. And the clash in the world today is between those who hold to a God-centered, Bible-based worldview and those who advocate a man-centered, humanist worldview. I mean, you've got those who want nationalism, those who want internationalism, those who want a decentralization, those who want totalitarian centralization globalism. You can see we, we have this uh, a real divide between those countries on the one side of the world and those countries on the other as to what is the way forward. And you just look on the one side, you have people who are uh, wanting freedom of conscience, freedom of religion, freedom of worship, freedom of thought, freedom of association, freedom of movement. On the other side, you want, no, um, the state must decide and uh, your body, our choice, not your choice and masquerade madness and lockdown lunacy and salvation by vaccination. And you've got to force everyone to follow the Wuhan Health Organization guidelines, which are based on the Communist Party of China uh, guidelines of totalitarian response to a respiratory virus. So it's insane. Just look at this insane article from the United Nations just recently. The United Nations entity for gender equality reported with outrage that 11% of journalists murdered in 2021 were women. And they were saying, uh, stop targeting women journalists. Well, they are the gender equality uh, entity. You would have thought they'd be campaigning for 50-50 parity. And uh, uh, why is it that those people who want gender equality are not doing things like, why don't you let women compete in women's sports and men compete in men's sports? Not have men pretending to be women or identifying as women competing in women's sports and destroying the uh, athletic careers of people who've spent their entire lives preparing for this major event, only to have it stolen from them by some male pretending to be a woman. Uh, and it, that would be something that would be for gender equality. And if they want gender equality, why not start campaigning that women murderers should be executed at an equal rate of male murderers? It's a fact that men who are murderers without extenuating circumstances are more likely to get the death penalty anywhere in the world uh, compared to where they still have the death penalty for murder compared to um, a woman who commit the same crimes. Uh, so interesting when they want gender equality and now they're complaining that 11% of the journalists killed last year were women. And I think that's a bad thing. So uh, kill more male journalists. Uh, we won't be satisfied until 100% of journalists killed are, are males. Um, how about campaigning against killing of all journalists? 
it, it just seems that they are so confused, they can't even see uh, the insanity of what they are doing. And so every item on the secular humanist or globalist uh, agenda is actually self-destructive. So by promoting the theory of evolution, humans are promoting a senseless existence in a chance universe. You came from nothing, you're going nowhere, and life is meaningless. In fact, evolutionism is an attempt to retroactively abort God, if you can believe that is possible, because evolution destroys all meaning or purpose or direction or justice or hope in life. You came from nothing. You're going nowhere. Life is meaningless. You wonder why so many of the youngsters in school don't have a sense of purpose and direction and there's such a rising amount of uh, suicide amongst teens and so on. Well, the Bible says the fool has said in his heart, there's no God. They are corrupt. Their deeds are vile. There's no one who does good. And so evolutionism is one of the ways. Well, another way in which the humanists are destroying the future is through their so-called education systems. Secular humanism attempts to kill God by eradicating him from the classroom and from the minds of the next generation. And by eliminating the Bible as the basis for all knowledge, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, is engraved uh, over many an entrance to universities like Harvard. And uh, But by eliminating the greatest book ever written, and the most influential book in the most free and prosperous and productive countries on earth, by removing the Bible as the basis of knowledge, these humanists, these secularists, these globalists have removed the very foundation of truth. They're prohibiting the only objective standard by which reality can be evaluated. And that's why we're told in Colossians 2 verse 8, see to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depend on human tradition and the basic principles of this world rather than on Christ. When it comes to ethics, well, the secularists, the globalists, the New World Order crowd, they've rejected the law of God. And instead, they are vigorously promoting situation ethics. Is it right? Well, it depends. Uh, amorality. You put an A in front of something and negate it, like atheist um, or amorality, no morals. Existentialism. The only thing that matters is my personal experience now. Hedonism, the worship of pleasure. Pornography, homosexuality, LGBTQ, sex education, abortion, critical race theory, and so on. But the scriptures are clear. No immoral person, no impure or greedy person, such a person is an idolater, will have any inheritance of the kingdom of God or of Christ. It's Ephesians 5 verse 5. The entertainment industry, superficial, sensational, immoral material predominates in a modern so-called entertainment industry, which is defiling and degrading. And it's producing an increasingly superficial, selfish, mindless, immoral society. I remember when entertainment industry was uplifting and inspiring. I mean, you just think of going to great concerts and hearing Handel's Messiah and seeing phenomenal achievements, uh, whether you're talking about ballets or, or operas and concerts, going all the way through to great films on great people, uh, you know, whether, whether it was a cartoon on, on Charles Gordon or, or great events, in a, you know, Ten Commands, Ben-Hur, big, great epics of, of larger-than-life characters and extolling virtue and courage and uh, and now it's ugliness and and uh, absolute mess the bible says in ephesians 4 verse 8 whatever is true whatever is noble whatever is right whatever is pure whatever is lovely whatever is admirable if anything is excellent or praiseworthy think about such things but instead of that we've got the marxist cultural marxists the uh, gramsci strategy uh, frankfurt school who are following the termite strategy of trying to rot the insides out of our 
modern entertainment industry. And it was Herbert Marcuse who advocated as part of the Frankfurt School using obscenity, blasphemy, foul language as verbal grenades to undermine the Christian bourgeois of the West and to to celebrate ugliness and to celebrate meaninglessness and to produce arts and music and entertainment such as plays and films that don't have any purpose uh, to be able to undermine even a person's sense of of aim you know to keep reinforcing you came from nothing you're going nowhere life is meaningless and that is the entertainment industry of the existential west that's been rotted out by the cultural marxism of the uh, termites which you could also call the gramsci strategy rot the society from within the economics is unworkable it's wastage welfare socialism destroying initiative destroying uh, incentive destroying income destroying industry how can any society survive when you reward the parasites and you penalize the productive and so the hard working people get heavily taxed and the parasites especially people who don't intend to do any work well they get rewarded and this is attracting parasites from all over the world or coming across uh, the channel coming into England, uh, coming across southern border into America, coming into Canada, South Africa, coming to places where they can get lots of free things without doing any work. There were cases that have been reported of uh, three generations who had never done a day's work living on welfare. And in one, and this is now in Detroit in, in uh, America, a grandmother of 28, a mother of 14, and a daughter. Three generations in one household, nobody had ever done any work, just living on welfare. You, this is an unsustainable model. Um, the Bible is clear, you shall not steal, you shall not covet. If anyone will not work, neither shall they eat. And the principle is a work ethic. People need to learn to work. And when you have societies that will particularly institutionalize welfare for unproductive, unanswerable, unaccountable people, well, you get invaded, as has happened to Sweden and is happening to Germany and happening uh, to England, America and Canada and South Africa, that welfare will attract parasites. Uh, if you basically have a system where you penalize the productive and you reward the unproductive, what are you going to get? Well, less product productive and more parasites. And this is the way it goes. A a tax is a fine for doing well, and a fine is a tax for doing wrong, and welfare is a reward for doing nothing. And this is what you've got. This is why we say that the New World Order is self-destructive. It cannot sustain itself in terms of its economics, in terms of its ethics, in terms of its education, in terms of its evolutionary mindset, in terms of its entertainment industry. And what about the environment? The selfishness and the short-sightedness of modern society is seen in litter-ridden communities, pollution-afflicted areas, graffiti-riddled areas, but also in the insanity of the Green New Deal, where they are aggressively going against reliable, cheap energy sources, uh, such as nuclear power or of uh, coal uh, power, and forcing people to go for what benefits the Communist Party of China industry. Do you know over 70% of the batteries uh, for solar and solar panels and these uh, uh, wind towers comes from China? So when people are getting into the green alternative energy sources of, of solar and wind, they're basically uh, investing in the Communist Party of China's uh, not just party economy and building up their uh, military threat to the rest of the world. It's, it's insane. And it's not bet on the 
environment because, well, where did electric cars get their electricity from? Well, from the coal stations. And um, these batteries, um, do they have a carbon footprint? Oh, yes, indeed, they do. In fact, these these solar panels and uh, batteries and uh, these massive wind turbines, they are more destructive of the environment. But I suppose it doesn't matter because they're mostly made overseas. And, uh, you know, we don't care about this one uh, planet and so on rhetoric when it comes to green energy. And so as what they're doing is they're heading into a situation where people are going to be losing their jobs, energy is going to cost more, and what's absolutely essential for any modern industrial society is cheap, reliable energy. And by moving on to unreliable, expensive alternatives, what they're doing is uh, basically committing economic suicide for the future. There's going to be less jobs, more unemployment, higher cost of living, and people are going to be poorer as a result. And in this coming uh, winter, especially in Europe, a lot colder and a lot a lot more in the dark. So you can see their treatment of the environment is wrong. Uh, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. And we most certainly should not pollute. We should, certainly should not uh, uh, be degrading the plants or deforesting the plants. We should be planting trees. We should be concerned for the environment. But we've got to be reasonable. And strengthening communist China and bankrupting ourselves is not actually helpful. And allowing lots of the uh, environment to be polluted and degraded in third world countries so that we can get these batteries and solar panels and uh, these wind um, turbines into the West, which, by the way, kill a lot of birds. And many of these uh, wind tunnel areas where they like to put up these these massive wind uh, turbines um, are exactly where birds do their migrations. And many tens of thousands of birds, including endangered birds, have been killed by these um, hideous, ugly and dangerous wind turbines, which are not that efficient anyway and cost a lot more than the energy they produce. So, and they don't even last that long. And then their batteries in particular go out and they are littering the landscape. So in terms of environment, you can see that their uh, policies are self-destructive. And you can see that because under Donald Trump, as presidency, America became fuel independent and was exporting fuel. And under Biden's policies, uh, they've become energy dependent on imports. And right now, uh, America is heading for a real disaster. But the boycotting, uh, sanctioning of Russian energy, such as the Nord Stream pipeline of gas, uh, well, that's actually only hurting the West. It's not hurting Russia much. People need to also remember that during Ronald Reagan's era, one of the ways in which he destroyed uh, the Soviet Union was economics. And um, uh, one of Ronald Reagan's many policies, uh, which helped bring down the Iron Curtain and collapse the Soviet Union, he, of course, supported the freedom fighters fighting, whether it was Nicaragua and Afghanistan or Mozambique and Angola, and uh, supported the resistance movements in communist countries, which was a good thing to do. And, and I was doing chaplaincy work amongst UNITA and Angola and Renama and Mozambique and smuggling in Bibles and helping the resistance fighters in their cause against the Cubans and the Soviets. And uh, that was one way. Another way was the space race, the arms race, which uh, America could afford and Russia could not. And the, so they were bankrupting the Soviet Union on the arms race and especially Star Wars. But a key coup de grace, which destroyed the economy of Russia, was uh, Ronald Reagan persuading the OPEC countries to flood the world with, with oil, to produce vastly more oil. And they produced millions and billions of barrels more oil than previously and brought the price of fuel way down now because Russia's a major 
uh, energy exporter that exports oil and gas. Uh, this brought the price of oil way down, and therefore Russia's profits has plummeted. And so at the very moment that Russia was facing resistance in all their different uh, colonies all over the world and all their wars, and they had 13 different uh, Soviet satellite states just in Russia alone, where the Cubans were the surrogates, uh, oppressing the people in those wars everywhere from Ethiopia through to Angola. And uh, so at that very key time that Russia was overextended and that uh, they were in an arms race they couldn't uh, uh, compete with. Their main source of funds was dried up uh, through flooding the market with, with oil and bringing down the price and therefore the profits of Russia. And Russia went bankrupt. And that was the economic collapse, which led to the fall of the Berlin Wall, the Iron Curtain, and the ending of the Soviet Union and dismantling into 15 countries. Now, uh, apparently, Biden didn't pay attention and the people who control them didn't pay attention because what they're doing now is the reverse. Uh, the West, NATO, are overextending. They are spreading out vast amounts of their weaponry, especially their javelins and anti-tank weapons. So many Western NATO countries are now very, very short. Some countries have less than two days supply of ammunition if there's a, a full-scale war. And, you know, two days supply of ammunition is nothing uh, in the case of war. So they, NATO has overextended themselves. And most of the weapons they've sent to Ukraine, most, 60% of they can't uh, say where they've gone, but they haven't got to the front line. They're saying only about 30% of the weapons they're sending to Ukraine end up on the front line. And the rest, well, they're being sold all over the world, including to uh, groups like ISIS and Al-Qaeda. So... Uh, there's a lot of corruption in Ukraine. Ukraine is one of the most corrupt countries in Europe, if not the most corrupt. And so a lot of the aid that's been sent through to Ukraine has just been sold to, on the international arms market, a good high-tech weaponry, which is enriching individuals in Ukraine, uh, but it's not helping Ukraine. And uh, it's actually more than wasted because some of that's going to come back and be used against the very people in the West who donated it. This is the sort of thing people need to ask about. So, for example, when... America was helping the Mujahideen, freedom fighters, resistance fighters, holy warriors, jihadists in Afghanistan uh, back in 1980s, they, because they were fighting the Russians at that stage, they couldn't have anticipated that those same people, the same training, and in some cases the same weapons, would be used against America from 2001 on. And so you can see how the New World Order is self-destructive. They arm and train people who end up being their own enemies. And they make enemies of people who would have minded their own business if they'd left them alone. And they bankrupt themselves. And they uh, provide themselves they, with such situations that's a no-win war. And nothing good can come out of these wars, such as the one that uh, the West New World Order is waging right now with uh, the Ukrainians as their proxy. This war can only have one end. And that is that Russia wins and that Ukraine loses. There's there's no other end. And the only question is, when is it going to come to an end? And the sooner the better from everyone's perspective. Because the longer this war goes on, the more the taxpayers suffer, uh, the more economies suffer, the more people die, obviously, the more destruction of property. This isn't actually doing anything good for anyone on any side whatsoever, except perhaps the banksters, the bankers who are getting all the giving the loans and getting the debt and the arms military industrial complex that are producing more the weapons that need to be replaced and so on. So you can see in terms of economics, self-destructive evil is, will slay the wicked. And then you look at, um, in fact, exhaustion. 
bombarded by brainwashing, overstimulated by images, most in our society are mentally, spiritually, emotionally drained, exhausted. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will rise up on wings like eagles. They will run, not grow weary. They will, they will walk and not faint. But we should be getting enraged because the abortion holocaust needs to awaken a holy anger in us. We need to rediscover the righteous indignation against the lies and against uh, the, the hideous uh, plague of pornography and other effects of humanism. Uh, abortion, by campaigning for abortion, the pro-choice are destroying their own descendants. They're aborting their own futures. Uh, atheism offers no God, no future, no hope. Uh, we should see this. Those who are promoting and believing the lies of safe sex, who sowing sex education in schools and promoting promiscuity and perversion, even in primary schools, will reap the inevitable consequence of sexually transmitted diseases, gonorrhea, herpes, AIDS, another 60 hideous diseases, by the way. Uh, those who worship the idol of chance by squandering their earnings and gambling will end up as bankrupt as those who engage in unworkable wastage of welfare and socialism. As Margaret Thatcher said, the problem with socialism is sooner or later you'll run out of other people's money. And education, by removing the Bible from the schools, by purging all moral values from education, humanist secular schools, New World Order schools, inevitably end up with a functionally illiterate, incompetent, incapable, immoral generation. By abandoning the enforcement of discipline of children, humanists are making rods for their own backs. As those children grow up into being rebellious, lawless, selfish adults who undermine the whole system. And as for the perversion, well, those advocating the LGBTQ alternative lifestyles, perversion, promoting homosexuality, lesbianism, bisexuality, bestiality, pedophilia and other LGBTQ plus, they're undermining the essential foundations of society. The family is the basic building block of society. You undermine the essence of what keep society together, families, who pays most of the bills and taxes, fathers in intact families, you break that down, it's absolutely insane. You've got to realize that pornography is undermining the very essence of the family, which is undermining the fathers, it's undermining the people who pay the bills and keep society going and keep it rooted. So we need to get enlightened. I mean, God has spoken the Bible in all areas of life. The commandments of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. And uh, we need to recognize that the future belongs to the people of God. Many Christians today are neutralized. Very few people fear God. Many are paralyzed by fear of the future and fear of man and fear of public opinion and fear of the thought police deplatforming you and so on if you say a thought crime. The majority seem to have succumbed to a very negative and defeatist view of the future. So paralyzed by pessimism, many of these passive pew warmers are praying for the rapture to rescue them out of their responsibilities. But if we were to rightly divide the word of truth and correctly understand the signs of the times, we would return to the fight of faith with renewed vigor and revitalized vision. Because God is all-powerful. God is all-knowing. God is everywhere present. He is sovereign over the affairs of men. God is not predestined defeat for his people. The ultimate victory of the kingdom of God is inevitable. The vision of Daniel, the statue that represents all the empires of the world, will be struck by a stone, the stone that the builders reject as worthless. It'll crumble to dust, and that stone will grow to be a mountain that fills the whole earth. And so we need to understand that the kingdoms of this world who are waging war against God, they will lose. 
God is the King of Kings. He's the Lord of Lords. He's the creator. He's the ultimate judge. He's the eternal judge. Nobody's going to defeat God ultimately. It may look like it for a time, but all the ends of the earth will remember and turn to the Lord and all the families of the nations will bow down before him. For dominion belongs to the Lord and he rules over the nations. It should be obvious to us. It is the enemies of God who are destined for defeat. The globalists, the new world order, the new world disorder, the powers that should not be. These globalists, they are destined for defeat. Humanism is a self-destructive ideology. Evil will slay the wicked. The Bible is relevant to every area of life. It provides the practical solutions to every contemporary problem. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. So instead of being paralyzed by pessimism, we need to be energized by the biblical eschatology of victory. For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. The trials, the trauma, the tribulations of this present time need to be understood as training and tests to strengthen us for the Lord's service. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief and all kinds of trials. These have come so that your faith may be proved genuine and may result in praise and glory and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. That's in 1 Peter 1. We are Christians who can fight the good fight of faith in the firm confidence that evil will ultimately be eradicated. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. We are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus who loved us. And the reason the Son of God arrived was to destroy the works of the devil, 1 John 3 verse 8. And so uh, we need to recognize that obedience to the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ results in the joy of sins forgiven and peace of heart and peace of mind and a restored relationship of love with God as our Father. Jesus Christ gives his people spiritual life now, eternal life after death, abundant life always. Those people who live clean, moral lives, those who remain faithful to the marriage partner, they will have the best chance of surviving the AIDS plague and all the other hideous um, uh, sexually transmitted diseases. Those people who work hard and save wisely and who spend their money carefully, they'll be blessed with financial security. Biblical free enterprise produces wealth and rewards hard work and ingenuity. Those who invest their lives in bringing up God-fearing children, ensuring they receive Bible-based home education, they will build the future. Those people who are aborting their kids or letting their brains be messed up by uh, Hollywood garbage and by the drugs of this world and by the so-called education systems of this world, the indoctrination gulags, what are they going to produce? I mean, besides which they bought most of their kids uh, as it is, and the rest of them uh, end up being indoctrinated and just become good slaves for the uh, New World Order through the gulags. Well, as Christians, we need to believe in tomorrow because we believe in God who's the beginning and the end. He is the King of Kings. He is the Lord of Lords. He controls the future. He answers prayer. His word is powerful. It is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. We read in the Bible that Satan's people, the beast and the false prophet, they'll make war against the Lamb of God. But the Lamb of God will overcome them because he is the Lord of Lords. He is the King of Kings. And with him will be his called, chosen and faithful followers. So there is no doubt whatsoever that evil will slay the wicked, that the new world order is destructive. Everything about them is self-destructive. Their so-called education, their entertainment, their news media, their economics, their environmental policies, they're all self-destructive. Everything they do is insane. Everything they do works against them. But they are so blinded by their hatred for God and for his people, they don't seem to know or recognize or care that what they're doing is destroying themselves. And I can only hope and pray 
that more people will see uh, the lies, the deceit, the double standards, the hypocrisy, the self-destructiveness in the New World Order, and join those, the remnants who have not bowed the knee to Baal, who have not uh, succumbed to the globalist propaganda and this whole masquerade madness, lockdown, lunacy, salvation by vaccination, indoctrination, gulags. No, you know, we choose to uh, choose life. Uh, we don't choose abortion. We choose to homeschool our children. We're not going to go into the gulags, getting our poor kids indoctrinated, sentenced to 12 years in, in these um, indoctrination gulags. No, uh, we are going to build the future. We're not going to get ourselves into debt. We're not going to live off credit cards and enrich a whole bunch of cabal of these banksters. We are going to work hard. We're going to uh, buy up for things. We're not going to hire purchase. We're going to uh, help one another in the community. We'll help uh, fellow Christians, fellow resistors, fellow people who are against the globalist uh, New World Order. And we're going to be organized because the future belongs to the brave and to the bold and to those who are building on the rock of God's word, the Bible. The day will come when the flood will rise and the rain will fall and the wind will blow and the storm will rage and those built on the sand will collapse. Those built on the rock of God's word will stand. And we need to make sure we're building our lives on the rock of God's word, on the rock of his principles, on a biblical worldview, not allowing ourselves to be intimidated or to be indoctrinated by the globalists and by their self-destructive, suicidal, insane policies, which, I mean, really and truly, if they carry on in this way, they're going to get themselves wiped out in so many different ways, uh, including nuclear war if they go that far. But by God's grace, uh, those those who are building on the rock of God's word, those who are believing in tomorrow, those who are living clean and moral lives and not living in debt and so on, we will build the future. And we are bringing up our children to be the future. They are aborting their children. So, you know, it's a, it's a matter of mathematics. In time, those who choose life, our children and grandchildren will build the future. Those who are choosing abortion and perversion now, well, they don't have much of a future, do they? Back to you, Andrew. Thank you, Peter. Yes, um, I think the question that's always on my mind with what you were talking about today is we definitely are in very difficult times, but it's how long are we going to have to weather this storm? And I don't want to put you on the spot here because I don't know. I've had guests on the show who've studied the Bible. Uh, some people say that we're going to go through the seven years of tribulation and they haven't even started yet. And I'm like, well, if we've got another seven years of this, is there going to be much left at the end of it? Someone else says three and a half years uh, may have already started, things like that. But when all the things that you were talking about today, and I was listening to somebody recently talking about the vaccines, um, the fake vaccines. We know that they're here, obviously, to harm us, which is why they've killed... I think we're up to 2,000, was it 2,230? We had some new figures today uh, on, at the weekend uh, in the UK of people um, that have died after taking the vaccine. They've stopped publishing them weekly, Peter. They're now not even monthly. They're about every five or six weeks. So they don't want you to know about them, but they still have to publish them. Uh, and uh, we're getting close to half a million people injured. That's the UK alone. And this is the UK government's figures. Now, other people have been saying that this wouldn't have been rolled out with all the propaganda uh, that was used to get people to take it if it wasn't going to 
have more of an effect in the future. And there's been talks of a binary weapon, how something else could be released that could react with what people have taken, or it could be something people have taken, it takes a while to work on them, some people it hits them straight away, all these different things that are largely speculative, although many people claim to have science behind it, but their science um, can conflict with each other, so they can't all be right. So we're left in a bit of a difficult situation to know what really is going on and what isn't but i would err on the side of they either um planned it to be a lot more devastating and they failed or there's going to be something in the future with the likes of the deagle.com uh, population projection figures that were also taken down a year or so ago but were up since 2013 that claimed that the US would population would reduce by 70% and the UK by 78%. That was the last figure. And it was they were the two highest population reductions on this um, uh, strange website, shall we say, claimed to be something to do with military intelligence. But it was all white nations that seemed to be hit hard uh, by reduction in population. So uh, just really... Uh, uh, Please provide any answer that you wish based upon what I've mm. said. I am interested in the times, that, how long we're going to have to go through this, but I appreciate that you may not know the answer to that. Uh, so any way you wish to tackle this point that people can, yes. you know, kind of... <clears throat> what you said today was so important. We've got to weather the storm, how to do it, um, how to plan for the future. Yes, well, our Lord Jesus said no one knows the day or the hour of his return. And so um, it's no good speculating on what's uh, not happened yet, uh, because uh, there are a lot of Bible verses about prophecies that must be fulfilled. Many prophecies have been fulfilled, but we do know this. God is not destining defeat to his own people. A sovereign God is not dooming us to defeat on earth. I believe we are destined to victory. And the great commission of our Lord Jesus Christ is my supreme ambition. It's not my main obsession to be raptured from our responsibilities on earth. We need to have our faith strengthened by a victorious view of the Bible, not neutralized by a defeatist view of the end times. And so many have been paralyzed into inactivity by a sort of eschatology of escapism, uh, hoping that we'll be raptured before all of this uh, breaks out. But I understand the future needs to inspire us to positive action and prayer. And instead of longing to be removed from our responsibilities, I believe it's important that we seek to be revived and faithfully making disciples of all nations. I, I wouldn't want to get too caught up in speculations about the Antichrist depressing us into inactivity. It's more important that the glory of Christ inspires us to greater service for him. And so uh, there's so many passages in the Bible that I think we've got to look at. And the one is, that the earth will be as full of the glory of the knowledge of the Lord as the seas are full of water. And every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And all kings will serve him and he'll rule from sea to sea and to the, from the river to the ends of the earth. There's so many prophecies and the Psalms and, and the prophets uh, about the sovereignty and the power and the greatness of all the kingdoms and the whole heaven handed over to the saints, the people of the Most High. God's kingdom will be an everlasting kingdom. His rulers will worship and obey him forever. And the Lord will be awesome. He will destroy all the gods of the land. And the nations on every shore will worship him. Everyone in his own land. And so there's so many passages that I see uh, that need to be fulfilled. And the, the ultimate uh, uh, conclusion of history is going to be the victory of the Lord. 
And so we do not need to be afraid because we're on the on the victory side, if we're on the Lord's side. We do not have to have the fears that the globalists and the new world order need to have, and they should be afraid. They really should because they're fighting against God and against his will and against his people, and they will lose. And uh, this is just the fact. So super important for us to maintain a good biblical balance. Let's not get too disturbed by what the world's telling us, the world's trying to get you to lose heart and to be discouraged and to be depressed and to give up and to just keep silent. But that serves the globalist agenda. <clears throat> what we need to do is refuse to be intimidated into silence. We need to stand up. And we're not alone. There are many tens of thousands. There are hundreds of thousands. Actually, there are probably millions of people around the world who feel as we do, believe as we do, who do not want to support the globalist New World Order agenda, who will only bow the knee to Christ and who refuse to bow before the BLM, CRT, uh, LGBTQ, uh, Wuhan Health Organization, all the rest of it. Let's face it, the people who took the jab, the pouchy ouchy, the, uh, the <laughs> clot shot, the, the, this uh, stupid jab, um, they are not going to live as healthy or as long as those who refuse to. And so again and again you can see the policies of the globalists are self-destructive. Everything is, including the medical policies. And uh, those of us who refuse to bow to the lies or to the pressure and the bullying of the New World Order, we will live healthier lives and happier lives and probably much longer lives as a result of fearing God and not fearing COVID-19. Now, the COVID-19, I, I agree with you. I think they're meant to be far more, far more uh, deadly. But there's a bit of a trade-off because... To make it too deadly, it, it wipes out its hosts too quick. But the main goal here was to make it super contagious. And according to test me coming out now, uh, they made it 10,000 times more contagious than anything else that they had in nature uh, through the laboratory and all these spike proteins and so on. So they made it super contagious. The trouble with super contagious is it's not, not as deadly. So you've got a trade-off. If it's too deadly, it'll die off too quickly by killing off its host and won't spread that fast. If it's a very um, contagious, uh, then you can't have the host die off too quickly um, because you need to have, have the opportunity for this thing to spread. And uh, I don't think the virus was the main goal. The main goal was the vaccination. Uh, you weren't being killed off by the virus as much as by the vaccination. So the vaccine was the key thing. The virus was there to justify the lockdown and the masquerade. The lockdown and masquerade was there to prepare you to be willing to take the vaccine as the promise, this is the carrot at the end, that if you take this vaccine, you won't need to wear the mask, you won't be locked down, you'll be free to travel, you won't be fired from your job, you'll be able to come to college, university, and so on. So uh, basically it was the Hegelian uh, two-step, the Hegelian dialectic. Um, thesis, antithesis, synthesis. They create the problem, they create the solution to give the response that they wanted. So uh, the the virus was there to justify the lockdown and the masquerade. The masquerade and lockdown was there to uh, incentivize you to take the vaccine. The vaccine is there to control you. Whether the vaccine has microchips in it, which it certainly has the ability to, that they can track you, whether it's got DNA altering material in there that can undermine your health, well, that's been proven. And whether it's designed there to shorten your life or undermine your health and to be able to provide more uh, business for the big pharma. Well, I think that case has been proven very convincingly. Uh, so basically, this is what we look at. It was one of the trial runs for the New World Order and shocking that so many people uh, played along with it. But 
those of us who managed to resist some of the worst bullying and propaganda campaigns in the history of the world. I mean, when has there ever been such a campaign globally to get billions of people worldwide to do things and to take things and submit to things that never before in such coordination? Uh, this, of course, was a major, major trial run for the globalist New World Order. And people can read more about it in Revelation 13, that uh, the beast has a goal of a one world government, a one world economic system and a one world interfaith religion. And all the people who worship the beast will be forced to get a mark. And without this mark, you won't be able to buy or sell. This should ring a few bells. There's some Pavlovian bell should be going off in people's minds saying, wait a minute, this sounds awfully familiar. How on earth did the Apostle John in the Bible book of Revelation manage to write about this nearly 2,000 years ago? Back to you, Andrew. Thank you, Peter. Yeah, that, that's uh, fascinating information there. I, I do, I agree with what you say. We can't speculate as to the return, but it's the question that uh, many Christians would like answered above all others. It's that uh, age-old question, but certainly uh, there are positives to look at today. I think that these people are making mistakes. But um, in the last few minutes, what we've been doing over the last few weeks, folks, is I've been including a link in the post for our shows together to idop-africa.org. That's idop I dop-africa.org 13th of November 2022 is the International Day of Prayer for the Persecuted Church and this is extremely important folks because we think we've got it bad in the West at the moment there are 66 countries in the world where 400 million Christians are being persecuted today so this is an extremely special day coming up this Sunday that you can participate in through the idop-africa.org website, the link to which will be available in the post for this show. And we've been talking about it for a few weeks because we know we've got people listening all around the world. So, Peter, can you um, have we got any further details of you know, where people can follow this? Is it best to go to this website? Do we have a start time, an end time, any events that yes. you can talk about? Yes, indeed. So it's www.idop-africa, um, idop-africa, short for International Day of Prayer. And this is the uh, site we've got, idopafrica.org, um, where we have got audios, videos, PowerPoints, and we will be having all kinds of news information so on that you can use to inform your congregation, your cell group, your Bible cell group, your, your school, your friends and neighbors and, and uh, related people in your network and uh, this this coming sunday the 13th of november is the international day of prayer to focus on the persecuted church not just praying for the persecuted church but for the persecuted church and with them because they are um part of this too and there's something like 300,000 congregations worldwide who are taking part in this initiative it's it's a great initiative there are 400 million christians living in countries where the governments persecute Christians for their faith. And so it's so important to not only remember them and pray for them, uh, but to encourage them and to speak up for them and to bring pressure to bear where we can on pol politicians who are aiding and abetting the very persecutors. And so, you know, our governments in many cases are giving money and aid and all sorts of things to those who are persecuting the church. 
And it's, it's vital that we put some pressure on them. Just as our Lord said in Luke 18, even an unjust judge will do what is right in response to persistent prayer and pressure. Politicians don't see the light until they've felt the heat, is what Ronald Reagan said. And so uh, we need to be bringing heat to bear, a pressure to bear on, on those. And publicity provides protection for the persecuted. So through radio programs like this and through the internet and any social media that you may have, um, let's spread the word. Let's get more people to remember those who are suffering for their faith and let's learn from them. And I think it will also give us courage as we've got to resist increasingly uh, more intolerant and intrusive governments uh, pushing on us everything from medical tyranny and forced vaccines and uh, trying to shut us down for thought crimes and crush our freedom of conscience, freedom of, of speech. Well, we must not allow that. And so this is a good opportunity for us to get encouragement and also strengthen those who are part of the many who refuse to bow the knee to bow. And so if you want to know any more about this, you go to www.idop-africa.org uh, or frontlinemissionsa.org. And uh, we will be Active, we're continually putting more things up. You'll get a lot of inspiration there, and you can be part of this network dedicating this upcoming Sunday to focusing on and speaking up for and praying for and with the Persecuted Church. Thank you, Andrew. Back to you. Thank you, Peter. So, um, is there going to be anywhere else where you're going to be uh, live streaming any presentations? Because uh, obviously, people um, can they can do one of two yes. ways. They can have a look around the website. It's extremely extensive, uh, and then remember uh, the persecuted people in their prayers, which we like them to do anyway, but especially this Sunday. Yes. But will there be any any other sort of uh, sermons that you'll be giving where people can go and click on and watch live at all? Are you live streaming at all? Uh, uh, we, we may well be doing that. Um, I'll get the update. I'm still seeing which churches are interested. We've got the technology. Uh, we're just looking for the right venue for it. But most likely there will be a um, uh, live stream, which would be at, at our stage. I, I'm thinking that it's probably going to be the best uh, that we do something like 12 noon our time. And I think you are two hours behind us in Britain. Is that correct? Yes. So that'll be 10 a.m. Uh, my time, uh, UK time. That's right. Yeah. So um, it's, it's going to be 12 noon um, in, in Cape Town time, which should be about 10 a.m. Uh, in um, in the United Kingdom. Thank you. And where is the – will uh, news of this be on the i.africa.org? Yes, we, we will – We'll, we'll, yes, it will, and we will probably be uh, broadcasting it straight from the uh, Frontline Fellowship Facebook page. The Frontline Fellowship Facebook page, it'll probably also be on the IDOP Africa, IDOP hyphen Africa, IDOP hyphen Africa Facebook page too. So uh, Facebook Live, and one can access it through the web uh, also on the IDOP website. That's excellent. So, folks, uh, it's very easy to find. Um, I'll probably get a link as well. So you've got the i.africa.org website and also the Frontline Fellowship Facebook page. So bear in mind that's uh, midday, but uh, there'll be announcements beforehand. So check beforehand yes. and then work out where you are in the world and what time that's going to be where you are in the world and tune in. Then you'll be able to see uh, this live. But if you can't do that, then the resources are already there uh, that you can look at to remember the persecuted people. So, Peter, before, let me just have a look here. Sorry, this is in the way. Yeah, before we go, can you please let the audience know where they can find you and how they can contact you? 
Yes, my personal email is peter at frontline.org.za or ZA is American Association. Peter at F-R-O-N-T-L-I-N-E dot O-R-G dot Z-A. Peter at frontline.org.za. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you, Peter. And um, I was just hoping to be able to go into my Facebook page and type in a search for Frontline Fellowship. But uh, let me just have a look, see if I can see it here. Yeah, it's got the black background and the sword, the word in Africa as the badge. There are some other groups that have tried to um, use the name Frontline Fellowship, but you'll see they've got a very small uh, support and very little shared, whereas ours is a very active page with lots and lots uh, going on um, every day. Yeah, well, I've just typed in the search box top left on Facebook, Frontline Fellowship, and at the very top, Frontline Fellowship, Religious Organization, Cape Town, obviously South Africa, that is Peter's yep. site. So, and then it's opened up a new page for uh, Frontline Fellowship, and you've got groups there, uh, Peter Hammond, Frontline Fellowship Support Group. So it's very easy to find if you've got a Facebook account. Uh, and I presume you can also, uh, if you don't have a Facebook account, if you go into something like a search engine like Google or whatever you choose to use, just type in Facebook Frontline Fellowship page and then you'll be able to keep up to date there as well. So you've got the two options there. Yes. To I, uh, I should just say, Andrew, I don't know anything about this Peter Hammond support group. Uh, I think that was started many years ago. I don't know that there's been any activity on it for many years. I had nothing to do with it, but you'll find my page, Peter Hammond, um, uh, which uh, normally has uh, me with the uh, AK-47 in the Noob Mountains or Lion, but on occasion, at the moment, it's got a suit with a red poppy because this is Remembrance Day we're heading up to right now. So just at that this moment, that's on my page if you look for Peter Hammond. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, again, Peter comes up at the top, um, Peter Hammond. That might be because we're friends. Uh, Director at Frontline Fellowship, Cape Town Baptist Seminary. Peter Hammond, Director at Frontline Fellowship, Cape Town Baptist Seminary. So that's Peter's page. So that's another way that you can look that up because Peter Hammond may be a more common name. So if you give Director at Frontline Fellowship, Cape Town Baptist Seminary, you should come up at the top there. So please support the International Day of Prayer for the Persecuted church and now we will wrap up today's program so i want to thank peter so much for joining us today on a show entitled the real story of the self-destruction of the new world order i want to thank all of you for listening peter and i'll be back with you the same time next week i'll be back with you tomorrow and until then folks have a wonderful day and bye for now